Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Jared. Uh, I'm the host. I'm the boom. Uh, it's my good bad brain. You know, um, if you like the show, check out Patreon.com/slash My Good Bad Brain. Uh, that's where you could uh, support this bad boy. It, it helps it a lot. Keeps it going. Thank you. Okay, let's do the theme song. It's good to be back. Miss you all. Bye. Welcome to my good bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I'm medicated me. Still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is beautiful. Hi. Hello. How y'all doing? It's me. It's Jared. Back on my good, bad brain. It's been a little while. I'm just going to start right away with, um, I asked on the, uh, the old Instagram for thoughts or suggestions about things people might want to hear about other than, other than things I felt just like talking about. I don't know, some guidance and direction, uh, conversation really helps me with this thing. I think the point of it is a feeling of connection to other people, which is maybe a little ironic as I record this alone sometimes just talking to myself and um today i'm doing it from basically on top of a little mini mountain i um decided to go find a park to record it outside today and uh accidentally stumbled upon this little trail uh overlooking a good chunk of la and it's really beautiful up here the sun's starting to set and it's warm because of the sun but uh the air is cooler because it's fall and i'm all alone i saw a couple ladies walking out with the dog when i was parking at the end of the street um, in la eh, probably a lot of places but especially in la a lot of trails begin at the end of suburban streets and um man it's just nice Got some of that warm, you know, that sun. Don't you? Doesn't everyone feel like a lizard or like a cat laying in the sun, finding that piece of sun come through the window and going sitting directly under it? Maybe like a rotisserie chicken too. But um, a little heat lamp. It's got that glow, and I'm really moving into magic hour. Magic hour is, you know, that's what they call this. The the part right before the sun sets, where everything's all golden and beautiful. The light is just so beautiful. It's like um. 
probably a lot of people listening know that, but that's that's a thing in filming movies and TV or photography, Magic Hour. And I'm right here at Magic Hour, picking up a mic again to say, while being quite alone, <laughs> that most of what this show is about is uh, connecting with other people, feeling feeling not alone, even though I am. <sighs> because I guess maybe that's a big part of all of the mental health struggle stuff is how easy it is to be alone, how easy it is to build logical arguments to yourself about why that's true and uh, come up with good logical arguments about why you shouldn't feel good. You know, we all know somebody, we all, we all like have met negative personalities in our life that kind of, you know, Debbie Downer basically, but, but the kind of person who, no matter how good things are, no matter how positive you feel, no matter how, how up <laughs> you finally got your energy and the motion, the feelings in your life and your brain can always figure out a way to fuck it up. Like no matter how good the situation is, all they can do is talk about why the situation is not as good as it could be or where where you can go look for failures now that this situation is good. Let's look for a bad one, blah, blah, blah. We all know those people. And I feel like a lot of the time, like mental difficulties, <laughs> conditions, complexes, uh, afflictions, whatever, patterns, these entities that uh, get to take over our mind they also get to take over all of your faculties. I mean, I've always liked the analogy of possession by a demon because it's something, you know, in, in movies or whatever, if a demon possesses you, it gets all of you. You know, if a ghost takes over your body, you like, it gets your strength, it gets your wisdom, it gets your intelligence, it gets all of that. And so if you're a smart person, which let's be honest, a lot of people are <laughs> smart people, uh, like, it gets to take advantage of all of your abilities. And um, I've noticed this, especially in addiction, especially in people in my life who suffer from addiction and don't want to face it, or person, whatever, I'm not going to get too into it, but they'll always be able to explain why treatment wouldn't work for them, doesn't work, they need something else. And they will defend, like, I always think of it like an entity, like a parasite, you know? All life forms want to preserve themselves. So if you have something like addiction, that life form wants to do whatever it can to preserve itself. And in doing whatever it can, whatever it wants to, to do that, it'll take over your mind. It'll use your intelligence. It gets all your horsepower to fight for itself, to stay alive. And I always find that's you know, why it can be so difficult to speak to a loved one who has addiction and trying to get them help because that demon in them will use their intellect and use every bit of manipulative tool that they have emotionally over you uh, to preserve itself, to defend itself, to prevent it from being destroyed by treatment, you know? A couple of folks walking past. Wow, I'm not fully alone. It's kind of kind of nice, actually. There's an ASMR quality, of course, to uh, just that sound of feet crunching through grass, through gravel. They got a dog with them. Through a little tennis ball for it to get. God, it's so cute. People are so cute. Anyway, 
So, I think facing these bad feelings, these recurring bad feelings, um, I guess, oh, that's the theme of today. As I asked, I asked for suggestions, and there's two um, that felt really relevant to experiences I've been having and relevant um, to each other. So, the first one um, is a pretty simple ask, mental wellness and health with the 2020 election coming up. So got a lot of thoughts about that. I, I spent a lot of time ruining my mental well-being with uh, politics and the Internet. So I'd love to do that. Um, and this other person wrote, recently I feel like I've given up. I've tried to spot patterns in my mental illness. And for a long time, I just thought that I was bad at spotting them. Now I think there are no patterns or reasons. My brain is just broken. I don't want to feel this way, but it's what I believe deep in my very being as true. So those, to me, both have to do with the notions of feelings and the notions of facts and how they intersect. And I also think they have to do with um, the question of our own personal experience and I think even like the feeling of like a morality within our own personal experience. Uh, if a situation is bad, um, am I allowed to feel good? Or, uh, you know, more specific to ourself, if um, a situation is bad, um, isn't that just the truth? You know, uh, and if I don't want to feel that truth, that, that feeling that she thinks is true, then aren't I just kidding myself? Aren't I just dumb and aren't I just uh, uh, naive or aren't I just too scared to face that truth? So you convince yourself that um, the true thing is the bad thing and uh, the, the good person thing to do would be to uh, live with that bad feeling of that bad thing all the fucking time, no matter what. Because uh, basically, in your mind, that is the truth. And we all know that good people face and deal with the truth. And anything that's not the truth is obviously just the dealings of fools and uh, cynics and uh, manipulators. So it feels like a lot of the time, I mean, I know my brain tells me about it. I, uh, I had a pretty bad fucking episode this week. And um, <sighs> when you're in it, it's true. That feeling that you're talking about, that feeling that you know um, that this uh, this mental illness is real, that your brain is just broken, and the feeling that um, that feeling of it being very deep in your being that it is true. Well, I'll tell you first. Um, I I did an episode on toxic shame once. Uh, that's the term that was given to me by a therapist, um, basically about what you're talking about, this feeling that grew in me that I can't seem to remember a time without, but I associate as really coming into its own around my puberty. Um, this feeling uh, in the center of me that I just knew that I was bad, that I was basically evil, um, just essentially and inescapably, and that no matter how hard I tried to be good or no matter how hard I tried to be worthwhile or do good things or whatever, ultimately I was just fucking poisonous. I just felt that. I felt so deep in my being that um, 
I was something anathema to existence. You know, I've come to believe in somewhat binary ways about the universe, I suppose, yin-yang, light, dark, you know, ups and downs, whatever. Positive and negative, good and evil. That the universe generally favors things that are existing. And so things that would be on the positive side of things that I would consider to be the good side of things in the good evil scheme would be anything that uh, is generative, that encourages growth, that encourages connection, that encourages uh, bringing things together, that encourages newness and um, uh, anything that feels uh, uh, even warmth, you know, something that accumulates and uh, spills over generative generative positive things that um that was basically the extrapolation of the notion of things existing uh, is that things would grow and that they'd expand and that anything that was trying to do the opposite destroy things uh take things kill things not kill gets i guess a little bit sticky because there's this a part of creation that is destruction but things that favored non-existence uh, you know, I don't even think necessarily that chaos and order fit cleanly in this binary either. But um, that thing, that void energy, that is what I thought I had in the middle of me. Um, in uh, I did Al-Anon for a while, and in knowing people with addiction... Um, and in doing uh, some of the 12-step stuff for Al-Anon. Al-Anon is uh, basically a 12-step program for family and loved ones of alcoholics or addicts. And I really, I, I suggest checking it out if you feel that you have uh, a close loved one in your life. Um, they, they're, it's called a qualifier. And um, I, someone used to joke with me in LA that you could throw a rock. Anybody had hit several qualifiers for yourself. Um but something that occurred to me as I looked on the wall of where I was doing this 12-step program that was a place that hosted a lot of different types of 12-step programs. Because, um, you know, there's uh, just like Drugs Anonymous, you know, just like Alcohol Anonymous, there's Heroin Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, there's uh, Workaholics Anonymous, there's uh, there's um, sexual Sex Anonymous, what is sex addiction, you know, um, love addiction. These are all programs and their 12 steps are very similar to each other. And it really, uh, even sitting at the room being like, wow, I have some of the same patterns. I call them toxic codependency or something like that in my own life. Uh, now that I've learned more about ADHD, I feel like I also see similar, par similar parallel patterns to other addictive behaviors. Um, I really think there's something unifying these things. Uh, that there's something even a little contagious maybe about addictive behaviors, um, patterns of, of thought and behavior that we could transfer to somebody else or learn because we're drawn into them. Um, yeah, it occurred to me that uh, perhaps my other experiences were like this that this uh, anathema to existence in the middle of me feeling was like this. And I had a friend refer to the God-shaped hole. Zeke has been on this 
Church podcast very early on, we talked about this idea of the God-shaped hole and that that's the shared feature of, I guess, addicts, people who have different addictions, addictive qualities, is uh, gambling. Gambling's another thing you can do. Gaming, you can do all kinds of things. <laughs> Anything that gets you a little adrenaline bump, it seems like, P.S. That's why I think there's some ADHD relation here to these patterns, uh, seeking out adrenalized situations. But uh, this God-shaped hole... I'd never heard that before, and it sounded a lot like this uh, void energy that I always thought I had, this evil in the middle of me, this badness, that I was just fucked up and I was broken. I was always going to be that way. <sighs> well, first of all, look up that toxic shame stuff. Um, and, you know, some people get squicky about the concept of God, saying the God-shaped hole, and I don't. That's why I think my notion of what God is, is that generative energy is the idea of love, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, but if you want to get really physics-y about it, I do think there's something to the universe favoring existence over non-existence. The fact that anything's here at all must mean something. And uh, if you wanted to, you could suggest that was some kind of morality suggested in that too, that it's good. It favors it. That must be good. But... Like it's pretty religious, pretty fast. Uh, but whatever that thing is, that would be the opposite of that poisonous feeling, that notion that you are sure is true, that evil inside of you. Whatever the opposite of that is, that's going to be what we're going to call the God that fills the God-shaped hole, okay? And that notion of God in the anonymous programs, they throw that word around a lot. Uh, but it's a God of your own choosing is the thing that they say. It's this uh, meaning, something you believe in, something that um, you feel is a good reason to get up in the morning, whether it's people you love, the notion of love, the notion that good could be possible. I don't know. Um, the point is that you have something that is bigger than yourself that you are sure is real. I think I'm just speaking, you know, it's a complete non-expert, but this is what I think. And, uh, the biggest, the biggest, uh, first part of going to any of these sort of anonymous programs is that you basically admit that there's something bigger than you. There's something you can't handle. And it's not even that God thing. It's your illness. It's the, it's this, uh, addiction that you have, this thing that takes hold of you and, uh, continues trying to shovel all the wrong things into your God-shaped hole to fix it. And, uh, man, that can be so fucking hard to really believe that the universe holds you and not the other way around. Because I, uh, <laughs> I felt quite convinced for a long time that that was the case. You know, on some level, I would find a way to say all the bad things in the universe, the wars on the other side of the world that had nothing to do with me as a child, that those were, those were things I was connected to and creating. Those were things that I had to feel responsible for that were echoing through my bones, you know, things that no one could claim that kind of responsibility for I just shovel anything I can in there guilt 
Anything, anything I can escape with shame, man. Do I fucking love shame? <sighs> I think um, there's a lot of different ways to attack this problem for me. And uh, so I'm just going to talk about it the way I talk about it. It's not very systematic. It'll probably be all over the place, but they're just different strategies that I use for this big poisonous feeling, this big frustration, this pattern that I feel like I can't escape. And then the realization that there is no pattern. It's just me being broken and I'm always going to be broken. Okay. First, I, I think it's important to maybe play the, is that true game? Well, maybe I don't want to start there. Hold on. What the fuck do I do when that happens? What the fuck does anyone do? How do I how do I really believe <laughs> that I'm not just broken? I don't know. I think part of it is that I go, ah, maybe I am broken. Maybe that's part of the point. Maybe me trying to do everything I can to avoid looking at the fact that I'm broken or dealing with the fact that I'm broken, maybe that's that escapism, you know? The same thing that when I'm behaving in an addict-y way, anything to escape the feeling, anything. Anything to put another feeling in there, anything to do something big that'll take over this big, big poisonous darkness, this big pain that never seems to stop, you know? Uh, anything, anything I can do to put in there that doesn't require me to actually look at that and go, fuck, my brain might be a little broken. And then, you know, you can take any fucking metaphor you want. That one about filling in the cracks of the bowls with gold is pretty nice. You know, the idea that cracks are how the light gets in is pretty nice. That if you're just a perfectly unbroken thing, you're just dark inside there, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that that's how people are allowed to do bad things in the world is that they've never felt real pain. They've never felt victimized. They've never really been able to internalize that. Of course, the opposite is also true. The people who are victimized do everything they can to avoid feeling that way again so they do more bad stuff. But think about the kind of structures of power ways, the sort of banal ways that evil's perpetrated, that systems of oppression stay in place. It's because, I mean, it doesn't touch you. The people who are benefiting from it, who benefit from the pain and the systematic pain of other people, they don't really feel it. So how could they do something about it? It allows them to continue just being the way that they are. So I think there is some reality to that. You can't touch that darkness unless you're a little broken. Uh, you know, I, I, there's a, bo uh, a book I believe was called Touched by Fire, uh, but I might be wrong. But this idea, I always love this idea of these... <laughs> you know, that my quote unquote broken brain is just different. You know, it's just something suited to a different purpose. That's it. Feeling a different way. And it creates some valuable thing for me and my peers and my community and my people. You know, that allows us to relate to each other's pain. It allows us to have patience for other people who might be different than us. Because we know what it's been like to not have anybody, including the whole system at large, be patient for you. You know, it allows us to put ourselves in other shoes. It allows us, I mean, I, this is a difficulty I have is, uh, it's not a difficulty. It was a fear. It was a fear I had in finding treatment in the first place. I was like, oh, my good, bad brain, right? That like that thing that's broken all the time, it's also broken in these really cool ways that allow it to, to do something different, you know? 
shards of a mirror are equally as interesting as one put together mirror and they do things different they bend light different you know they they show me little glimpses of things i couldn't have seen before and i really think some of these you know sort of cracked open brains you know you know you gotta crack eggs to make an omelet maybe you gotta crack brains to give the human race race poetry <laughs> to give us art to give us music you know maybe you gotta smash things up a little like we need people with your fucking broken brain you know patterns are different patterns don't have anything to do with who or what you are essentially patterns are i think in some ways almost feel like they have a, a mind and a will of their own patterns don't like change i mean here's my true theory about why patterns are hard to change. I came up with this a while ago and it tracks for me. And I always, I always look for some reason that, um, a thing that exists might be useful, might, uh, in, in an evolutionary sense, you know, whether it's an idea and the way it's evolved and maintained itself in culture or, or whether it's a behavior that I have, a trait that I have the same way we can be like, Oh, well, birds being able to fly made them better at surviving somehow. And, you know, so they, they fly <laughs> like I, there must be a reason, um, for a thing to exist if it exists. That reason can be very bad. It can be very poisonous. It can be very cruel. But there's a reason, you know? You can look at uh, hate hate movements, hate philosophies of hate, and go, well, it gives the person a reason that they feel bad all the time. It gives them a, a cause of that. It gives them a sense of power against that. You know what I mean? You can see why a bad idea can, can operate, can work. And I always think to myself that my brain... It's one purpose in its mind is to just keep my organism alive. That's it. Keep my organism alive and uh, hopefully pass that genetic material on. That's it. Those are the two functions that it has. Anything that would upset that system if it's functioning and if I'm still breathing, it's functioning. I might be wheezing. I might be on my last two feet. I might be making choices that are going to lead me towards a cliff. But if the immediate reality my brain always has is that I'm breathing, we're getting, we're staying there. Even if it's stressed, it figures whatever I'm doing is working. And so why fuck that up? And that's how you get a habit that's hard to break. Stasis, whatever exists now has a reason that it's there as far as my very dumb reptile part of my brain feels and understands. And so that's the truth of it. That's what's going to be hard to shake those habits, you know? So when we look at these like patterns, I think even randomness can be a pattern. You might not be able to track the times that your depression manifests or your, your brain starts to do its thing again. But you can, I think, sort of start to third person recognize the somatic experience and again, I know this is fucking hard. I know this is the whole point. Our brain is the filter through which we receive our sense of reality. So when that filter is literally the thing that we're saying is malfunctioning, it becomes very hard to see itself. Um, but trust loved ones, maybe you can communicate. Uh, I just noticed some things where rejection sensitivity is a good example. Um, I'll, I'll get this uh, rejection-sensitive dysphoria from something small. And now I know the pain associated with that, the agony, the need to look at it that feels like almost physical, like the pain in my chest and the, and the 
scratching feeling between my shoulder blades that's like this tension this rubber band that tightens up this vice that's like I have to fucking figure out why somebody's mad at me or why they fucking hate me or why what did I did wrong I have to get an answer for this I need uh, I need um, why did they say that why am I so that feeling this like physical feeling now I can see on some level because I've identified that physical feeling that it's a pattern that may be random when it pops up or something like that, but I can go, oh, wait, okay, I'm having the thing. I'm having the response that might be too big. I'm going to be snappy. I'm going to act shitty. I'm going to act reactive right now. I'm going to behave like a lawyer and try to explain things away to absolve myself of this horrible feeling that I may be just inventing, but I can't tell right now. So maybe a physical sort of practice of physical awareness could help you with the sense of the pattern thing for the step one of this thought of dealing with this pattern, which is just to recognize the signals of your body. And I, I still remember this time in a therapist. I think I told this story in here before, but it doesn't matter. And them saying to me one day very offhand, how do you feel? And this realization, I couldn't even feel my body, you know, sitting in the chair that starts this meditative pra- practice where now it's like, oh, well, I can feel the pressure of the ground underneath my toes it's a little bit softer than it might normally be because it's sand but under the sand is rock and that feels firm pressing up through my big toe and I can feel a little bit of flex in my ankle I can feel a little bit of pressure in my knee but um, not too bad just I got to be aware of it not to get up at a weird angle too fast from here and I the jeans I'm wearing are pretty snug, but that's feels sort of secure the way they cling to my body you know just getting into this physical, sort of sense of yourself and having a consistent practice of that so that when your bad pattern shows up, you'll recognize that it's it's your brain doing its thing, that whatever that bad feeling is. And sometimes I know this bad feeling can just be all the time. And sometimes it can take over your whole fucking world. I had that on uh, this this past week, really, really bad, just really bad. Uh, just straight up depression, just incredible deep fatigue, which by the way, I kind of recommend checking out this HBO thing I watched. Gary Goldman, I think his name is called The Great Depression. He talks about uh, his experience with really severe, severe, severe depression. And it is, it's pretty beautiful, I think. I think for people who have it, it might be a a nice resource to feel some sort of solid. They they talked about things that honestly, like I recognize that I was like, man, I don't think anyone's even talked to me that much about this, but uh, about the fatigue, the kind of incredible fatigue you all constantly carry with you. It's uh, it's it's just a good. I saw a lot of myself in it, so I don't know. So, anyway, um, check it out. You might be interested. But that feeling, that depression feeling, that bad, 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 bad feeling. So it it comes up, and it's helpful to be able to recognize this point. Like, oh, I feel so bad right now. My friends and I have this whole little joke that came from one of my other friends, uh, friends. that's confusing my friend has a friend okay who has had a therapist tell him uh, because he has difficulty noticing when good things are going on that when he's feeling good to notice it and state it and uh it's become a little joke among us now when we hang out at parties like that to say to each other like i am having fun right now i am feeling good Because when so much of our sense of ourself and our existence and our world is so bad, uh, we we don't tend to, and again, I think this has an evolutionary reason, there's a lot more reason to remember bad things than good things in our brain. Prioritizing bad things gives us things to avoid. Things like, you know, predatory animals. So we prioritize the bad, the negative, the things that feel good because, feel bad because 
because those are the things that might kill us in our brain. Those are what we associate, those things that in, induce stress. The irony that just thinking about them and having them in our head seems to keep us in a constant state of that fear uh, is not lost on on me, if it, even if it is on my brain. You know, that doesn't make sense, though. A sense of uh, constant stress sort of makes you perhaps feel more ready for something that might happen. The ability to imagine bad things that might happen potentially gives you the chance to prepare for them and survive them. You know, it makes sense. But just recognizing that your brain does not have much incentive naturally of its own accord to remember positive things, to uh, even track that you are experiencing a positive thing and hold on to it as like a prior, primary thought and feeling tone in your brain's hopper. So creating a practice of sensing what your body is feeling noticing in the good times when it's good and saying out loud, just noting to yourself, hey, I'm feeling really good right now. And I know I'm depressed a lot. I say it daily sometimes now. I say it to people close to me. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I know I'm depressed a lot. I know I, know I have issues a lot. And there sometimes it feels like all, all I can do is express bad things about the state of the world or whatever. But I just want you to know that I feel really good right now. And I feel really happy that we feel this feels really good and happy. And I'm really happy where we've come to in our lives to be in this moment right now is fucking helpful as shit. It sounds so silly maybe, but just that little thing, starting to notice when things feel good and take note of them for real. And maybe that's, I think, why a lot of the physical practice stuff is so important. The self-care notion is so important is you can create external physical experiences that you can be sure will make you feel a good feeling. I think the important thing about the self-care notion is not to just do it as a as a um, thing to fill that hole that you have with some other sensation, some escapist thing, some addictive behavior thing. I think it's important to make it a conscious practice of self-care, of saying, I am hijacking my system against its will to make it feel something good, to make it feel something nourishing and nurturing and warm and gentle and positive, something that is going to send good feelings flowing throughout my whole body and down my brain. And I'm doing it consciously to remind myself I'm capable of feeling good feelings. I deserve good feelings. I'm allowed to feel good feelings. I'm allowed to be happy. I'm allowed to feel safe. In fact, I should feel those ways. That it's incumbent upon me to feel those ways. I'm responsible to figure out ways to feel good and be good so that I am as prepared as possible to spread that in the universe around me and to give that to people I know and to be as strong as I could to be ready to help and fight for those other people around that maybe can't do all the fighting on their own, that maybe need allies, need friends, need that connection, you know? Which <laughs> is going to be one of my not-so-subtle segues into the question about politics and the elections coming up and how to how to deal with some mental illness issues around that mental health but so i i want to finish this thought about you that that idea of self-care like what's the fucking idea there with self-care how is it not just me eating something that tastes good how is it not just me buying myself something i've wanted uh, like instinctively and greedily and just fill my hole you know how how is it not me just doing something impulsive if you make it something practiced and conscious 
and draw attention to a thing. Like our brain really is magic spells. Things are what you decide they are, okay? If you want to have a holy experience, you're allowed to have that and tell your brain, this is meaningful, this is a sign, you know? If you want that. And in this situation, if you're feeling a good feeling, it can just be, okay, a good feeling that's fleeting. But just the way that your brain gets to just dictate all the fucking time how a bad thing happens, a little tiny bad thing happens, right? Um, I don't know. I'm uh, late to work. I drop something at work. I break something that, uh, I, I, you know, costs money. I don't know. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm getting yelled at or dis disappointing people. And then I drop my phone in the toilet. It's like the way that can be like, see, you're such a fucking piece of shit. You're always going to be a piece of shit. You deserve this bad thing because these other bad things, you're a terrible thing in the fucking universe actually so all these little tiny things that are happening are representative of that like the same way that's allowed to be quote unquote true when your depression brain or reject sensitivity or whatever fucking wants to run your anxiety wants to dictate what's true you're also allowed to say look i hate one i know that that's totally arbitrary what you just said <laughs> brain illness demon complex pattern that's inside of me that has its own consciousness and feels that it must defend itself, that it must preserve its own existence like every other living thing. Okay, you get to say that that's true. Well, I, Jarrett, the other entity that lives in here, I get to say that this is true. That when I'm taking a moment to say like, fuck it, I'm gonna get that ice cream. I'm just walking around taking care of errands. I'm gonna get some ice cream. That while you're eating it, you're saying like, damn, this feels good. Isn't it good that I still live in a world and at a time that at least for now, I can eat ice cream on this whim and I can take myself to get it and I can feel how good it feels and all the good memories it brings up, all good feelings. And I can say, damn, I feel good right now. That is a feeling my body is capable of. That's a feeling I'm able to make inside myself. And so that goodness must live inside myself somewhere. It must exist somewhere just as much as that badness I convinced myself you know what I mean like you remind yourself that it exists and that you harness it and then you maybe can remain aware of that and likewise when you're feeling the bad feeling you can just recognize this feeling that you get used to because now you got this practice of tuning into your body more and paying attention and then you can say like third person just like i can create something bigger out of a positive feeling from fucking ice cream or whatever i can third person go okay okay wait this bad feeling that i'm having i felt this before and it has come up with no fucking pattern and no reason before it's a feeling that I'm having. I mean, I, I feel like I always tell people I have dog brain. Like I just experience time as a dog. Just everything is now. <laughs> so yes, truly kind of trying to track patterns prior to the immediate feelings of things is sometimes a difficult or losing or useless game for me. But the internal nowness of the present, of sensation, of, of feeling, that's something I can deal with. That's something I can start to learn about. And so when you feel this bad feeling, and these, these poisonous messages that start to come at you about how fucking terrible you are and how broken you are. It's just always going to be that way. Just fucking give up, whatever. I think it really helps to have cultivated this, not just the sense of feeling, but the understanding that you can 
move and focus and change that sense of feeling, that you are allowed and capable of some control over the framework of what you consider to be real. And from there, I think you can recognize sometimes, oh, this is an experience of my body, not my soul, not my core personhood, not some other concept I can't figure out. And I mean, sometimes, I mean, I've, I've done the, that thought experiment where like, you know, if I had a broken leg, right? If I, if I had a broken leg or lost my leg somehow, I, I wouldn't, I mean, look at dogs. They don't even pay attention to the fact that their limb is a different shape. You know, they continue doing their life with the new circumstances that they have. They still love being alive. They love playing. They're hungry. They're they're playful. They're silly. They just like are alive, excited about the things they can smell and, and their beingness. And the different shape of a limb on their body doesn't give them pause except as like a physical a thing, just an issue to work around. But not that it says anything about them or or makes them think they must be limited. If they want to get that ball, they're still going to run after that ball. You know what I mean? If they want to climb up that hill or tree, they're still going to do it. It might be a little harder for them or that might require something different from them. But they're going to go for it, you know? And I really, really, really think that our brains, our broken ass brains are the same thing. It's just a different shape. That's That's it. And that it shouldn't dictate the kind of person that I have to be. You know, the kind of person that I have to think of myself as. Like this bad one, this, this fucked up one, whatever. I mean, maybe that's part of the reason the neurotypical concept is really good because like, at least for, (laughs) at least for sort of anybody since the boomers, to be honest, anybody who seemed to, at least on the surface, uh, crave some kind of nonconformity and think of that as a good thing. Like who wants to be typical? This is America. Who wants to be fucking typical? You know, narrowly typical, baby. That's it. That's all that broken brain means. That's it. You get to see things differently. That's it. And sometimes it's fucking harder, but, you know, that's just how it is. This is what you get to experience, and it's fucking pretty sick, actually. (laughs) All right. Well, okay, so I think, I think maybe also just know that, like, (sighs) giving up. I think maybe think about what you think you've given up. And if what you've given up is the idea that one day everything bad is just going to go away, maybe that's all right. If the idea that you've given up is that you're going to fix your brain somehow, maybe that's okay to give that up. I don't mean to give up a fight against this notion that you're some essentially bad thing in the universe, that you're essentially fucked up or whatever. I just mean that you should take the morality out of the mechanics of your brain and situation. That if I've given up trying to make my brain unbroken, maybe that's good. You can't unring a bell, you know? And that's that analogy about the clay cups again. If you break the cup on the ground, I can't unwind time and make it go back to unbroken. And, you know, if, if somebody told you, oh, I 
your person you love, your partner with forever came to you and said, I love someone else. You can't rewind time. You know, which is like, so why, why would you punish them too fucking bad? If they feel that way, you're going to, you, that's it. You know, you can't say like, no, you don't and get mad at them. Really? I mean, be fucking sad as fucking mad at the universe, whatever, but you can't like undo a feeling, you know, that you just can't do that. You can't argue that. And so you don't have to go into some morality about right or wrong about it. If your brain's fucking broken, same thing. It's not a good or bad thing. You're not bad. You're just different. That's just what it is. And if you go back to trying to rewind time, I'm sorry, you can't, you're not going to be able to move time. But you could do the thing where you mend it into something new, pick up the pieces and do the whole gold in the cracks thing or turn it into something else. It still has purpose and meaning and it's still yours. Your vessel is still yours to care for and, and do with what you will. You know? So... I think, think about that. Think about what you're giving up because there's a good chance giving up in this context could be morphed with just a little bit of zhuzhing into a surrender, a true understanding that, again, you are in the universe, it is not you. You know? You are in the universe, it is not in you. That you are smaller than this big thing that you can't change time and you can't change the shape of the mind that you have in the immediate sense or in this, you know, metaphysical sense, but you can make choices about what you do with it. You can nurture it in different ways. You can shift it over time and even sometimes immediately in moments just by changing your perspective that you can play ball with this different brain and do different things, you know, Sometimes I think when we get upset about our brains and we're feeling like we can't change patterns, you're really getting mad about something in the past, like you, you can't that you can't change the past. And that's fucking true. But if you focus on this nowness and how much that can change and you focus on your choices in the future and you focus on like doing better as every day, you know, you really you really can. And so the giving up has a very like looking backwards feel to it. But let the looking backwards, let the giving up be like, oh, I'm going to stop looking backwards. I'm going to give up on that. I'm going to move and look forwards. You know, that's a thought to play with. Man, I could go on and on about this because I have to come up with stuff all the time about the giving up. The other part is just like, I beg you just not to. If the giving up is a feeling of a surrender to this despair, I'll tell you like, I don't know. This won't help everybody, but it helps me. In that connection to other people, sometimes I'm like, fuck, if I gave up, all these other people who have inspired me and who have helped me be better, I feel like I'm giving up on them because they believe in me back now. You know, there's almost like a feeling of responsibility to my other good, bad brains that's like very real. That's like, I can't fucking give this up now. And sometimes you'll be so in it. I mean, for me now, Allie's become a big one. Like, just having someone close to me that I love and being like, I feel like I want to be better to help this person more and because I don't want to hurt people that I love. And so even that, like, when I'm in the middle of this thing or rejection dysphoria or depression and I can tell I'm getting shitty, I have this moment of like, wait, whoa, I don't like when I treat people like this. I don't like how it... And then I can 
at least a few moments later be like, I'm sorry, I'm afraid, and I, I'm having an episode. I feel really bad, and I don't mean to be doing the pattern, but I am just feeling bad. There's, you know, that part, <laughs> I forget what it was, but I think it was like an eastbound and down or something, but there's a part where the, um, the brother, this guy's in a fight with his brother and he's just yelling at him and like he ends up having like, I think you made a very good point and I'm very sorry and I love you very much, but I don't want to show that I lost the fight. So I'm going to say very angrily at you and then leave. Like, I feel like I do that now sometimes where I'm just like, I'm in the middle of agony and I'm in the middle of being fucking angry. And I think you are also correct. And I just want you to know that I love you and I'm sorry and I will get through this. And I don't want to make it worse. I apologize. Like being able to do that, do that with yourself. Just don't put so much pressure on it, you know. Try to get some humility around it. Try to have some humor somewhere inside you. That's the thing I always think. It's like, you know, when you try to cheer somebody up after you fucked up or they fucked up or they're just in a bad mood or something bad happens and they just won't. And part of you is just like, oh, man, if you just laughed, we could just like, like, let this be funny and we could let this conflict go away. Sometimes I think about that and be like, am I that person right now? Do I need to like let humor in and let this conflict go away? Oh, fuck. Maybe I do. Be the change you want to see in the world. All right, let's use that to just go into something about mental health related to the politics and blah, blah, blah. Um, hey, it's a shit show out there. It has been for a long ass fucking time, as you know, as anybody knows who pays attention. <sighs> I'm not going to go into a whole thing about good and bad, and you can focus on the good, and you can focus on the bad, and blah, 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 that kind of thing, whatever, because I think it's important to see the bad things. This has become the thing that's most useful to me. It's what I touched on earlier, is that, like, really? Like, if you were getting ready to go into battle, if you had, or if you were the general for people getting ready to go into battle, which one would you prefer? The one who's fucking terrified and uh, pissed off and um, feeling the pain and the fear and the weight of every moment and blah, blah, knowing what weighs on them and knowing about the, oh God, all the hugeness, right? And not sleeping because of it and not taking care of themselves because of it and and not eating well or training or, or anything and only painting pictures for themselves of the possible disaster, only focusing on the pain and the lack and the cruelty in the world and the, the feeling and knowledge that it's all just going to keep going and blah, 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 blah. How stupid people are who could do it. All that shit, right? Would you want to like that person to be your soldiers? Or would you want your soldiers to be like well-rested, well-fed, laughing, playful, solid in their training, solid in their mindset, positively fighting for their brothers and sisters among them, connected to them, knowing how important that person is to them and knowing that that person has their back as much as they have their back. That they're going to go into battle positive, knowledge of their victory ensured, a vision held for the future. Your opponent may have their idea of what's going to happen, but you have knowledge of what's going to happen. This sort of thing, you know? And I really think that analogy as you move towards this 2020 election and this feeling of like, oh man, some rubber's going to hit the road. It has in history before. It's going to do it again now. And it might be for like the whole fucking world now. Might, you know, might really be that with the global warming thing and fending off the eco-fascism that'll result from it as late-stage capitalism crumbles in the face of, you know, its own poison. I think you really have to understand that you need to think of yourself like a soldier in that fight. You got to hold positive visions. 
you know you don't get people to embrace socialism by like <laughs> focusing on how bad they are to other people you get them to focus on it by knowing how much better it will be for them and then i think also you know there are a lot of people who that whole bernie thing last week about like uh are you willing to fight for people who don't have things even though you do damn that's pretty good stuff that inspires a lot of people isn't it um damn it's like there's like kid kids and their dad like laughing running by it's like so perfect for this moment how's it going <laughs> it's so perfect for this moment you know the future like literally running up in here into this golden sun it's like beautiful beautiful there's a future and you gotta be ready to fucking usher it in you gotta be strong you gotta be ready you gotta believe in this possible future if you don't believe in it how the hell is anybody else gonna believe in it? How is he gonna force that belief of that reality of a more just and equitable and safe and good and warm and prosperous existence? One where justice is at the center of it? Like how how are you gonna convince the people who very much are on the other side of it and don't believe that that's gonna exist, that y'all are gonna be weak and broken the way you have been for all of history you bleeding hearts out there all you people who think uh, things should be made more fair you know they don't believe in the future you believe in and if you don't even believe in it how are they so i think it's incumbent on us to be ready to fight with the kind of freedom that makes great fighters great a kind of belief a knowledge in their success uh, a freedom a way to speak things into being and you do that by staying positive and finding humor every day finding the beautiful things that you're allowed to feel and again telling your brain that over and over again you're allowed to feel good and that you i mean i used to think of it all the time this is like that's a codependency in a nutshell to me is like if if my friend has a broken leg and I go like, oh, fuck that. And then I hammer myself in the knee and I go, now I got a broken leg too. How am I helping my friend? I feel your broken leg just as bad because I see, ha ha. How does that help? No. You need to maintain your strength. You need to maintain your heart. You need to maintain your whole body, the whole framework. You got to do it. And then you got to figure out what that means. And most of it is pretty obvious. Besides basic self-care stuff, I really think, hey, it's not just ostrich sticking its head in the sand. Take a break sometimes. You know, you got to back off Twitter once in a while and focus on something beautiful. Focus on something that feels good, even if it's dumb. You do nothing by torturing yourself. I mean, I don't know, maybe some Catholics do. But it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> you know? I really believe that. We have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of other people. That's a really hard one to figure out. It just doesn't feel right, you know? Something about it just... And it's probably because of the fucking big old void energy, the the God-shaped hole. I, I, I used to have a really tough concept understanding self-love. How do you love yourself? That seems like... And, and you have to understand that notion... It's because it hits your brain as having a crush on yourself. That's like what love is. A crushy notion. Being obsessed with the thing. Oh, love is so great. It could do no wrong. That's not, that's not love. You know? That's not love. 
And I really think this idea of self-love is about having a place carved out to hold love within you. A place where love goes, self-love. That's your love, your personal love, your little well of love. A little garden of love is how I've thought of it. And if you don't cultivate that love inside you, then there's no place for love to take root. You can't feel the love other people give you. In fact, you're so poisonous to love. You're so <sighs> committed to sterilizing that space where love might go inside of you that there's a void there. That's it. And you'll fill that with any kind of feeling. You just It's a void for whatever. Because it knows that something needs to go there. And so you just keep looking for things to dump into it that might feel like that sort of well-being or mimic it. And so that well-being is that sense, that completion, I think, that like love thing whatever you want to call that, this positive feeling that you can get from self-care if you do it consciously. And this, I think, is the power of ritual, is to take mundane activities and make them somehow holy or magical, you know? Something that can have a kind of meaning that might help you with your brain. I think that's that's the deal, man. Creating that true self-love, cultivating that place inside of you so that you can receive it from others and you can grow more of it and you can give it to others people's back. You can give it back to the person who gave it to you. You can give it forward to people you don't know yet, whatever. So that's it. I think just think of yourself as someone you have to take care of. You know, you feed your dog happy well. You feed your dog well. You make sure it rests. You give it a nice safe place to live. You take it to the vet when it needs issues. You run it around so that it's able to protect the sheep. You know what I mean? It's not that, you know, there's also like just this other part of you love it. You want it to be well. You want it to be happy. It's not just so it does a job for you. Nothing is truly that kind of transactional, I don't think, and never should be. Anyway, that's it. And limit your time on Twitter. There's new fucking bullshit all the time. And read. Read a lot. Things that are fun, but also theory. Because I think it's nice to, I mean, this works for some people. Some people, this makes them feel worse. For me, understanding that thoughts have already been thought about these things, that they're not just these impossible problems. There's a lot of good thinkers out there. There's a lot of new thought. Even if it's dark thoughts, understanding the negative, sometimes it just helps me understand, like, okay, there's, if this thing has a shape, if this thing has some kind of instruction manual that can explain what it is, then there's got to be a way to think about it differently. There's got to be things we can do differently. You know what I mean? Um, that can help to me. I just think knowledge is power to a certain degree. So empower yourself, strengthen yourself, and nurture yourself. There you go. <laughs> That's what I think. Look for solidarity. Build solidarity. Maintain positivity. Maintain humor. Maintain strength. That's it. That's it. Even if this means that uh, we're sharing a little bit of humor and camaraderie and solidarity we have left uh, with carbines around some campfire somewhere eating the last of the canned food <laughs> in the apocalypse, uh, you know, fine. We'll be laughing about it. Fine. Just a feeling. All right, those are my thoughts. Man, I, I just... Thanks. Thanks. I, I'm going to still do these sometimes. It's been weird. I didn't even talk about... You know, I had birthday. It turned... Uh, I 
guess 34 now. It's weird. Passage of time. Some good things, some bad things. Mostly, mostly good though. Mostly better, you know? Mostly getting better all the time. Stabilizing to something. Of course, only to have this week like a terrible fucking depressive episode. Just terrible. Just mean to myself. Just mean to people. Just mean just to be reminded, hey, you know, you always deal with it. You always deal with it. You just keep pushing through. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. Forgiveness. Repetition. Forgiveness. Repetition. You know, breathing. All right. Thanks. I miss you all. Thank you. This is, I'm glad that I did this. I missed this. We shall continue. All right. Self-care. Hydrate. Be well. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.